Hey guys, my name is Mavi and I've spent the last 14 years in the plastic surgery and beauty industry, working alongside top board certified plastic surgeons. Now I'm an independent patient coordinator who doesn't work for any surgeon. This means I have unbiased reviews for hundreds of doctors and I can help you achieve the look of your dreams, whether that's a supernatural or a video vixen. I use my professional and personal plastic surgery experience to help you look and feel your best. Join in on the fun as I talk to plastic surgery experts, friends, and real-life patients about all things plastic surgery. Should be fun. Hey guys, do I have the episode for you today? So I was scrolling on Instagram a few days ago and all of a sudden up pops up this page, the Fit BBL. And I was like, who is this? And of course, I went down the rabbit hole and guess what, y'all? She's here on the show with me today and it's going to be so much fun. Brittany, I am so happy to have you on. I can't wait for you to share your story with us and I am so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super <laughs> excited. Like, girl. Girl, I know. It's like whenever you meet somebody else who's like really into what you're into, it's so much fun. Yes, it is, especially because I feel like the surgery community was what underground for so long, protecting our peace, and that everyone is now seeing like, hey, we can have public pages. We can go mainstream. Like the conversation is building. And I love that for our community. I do, too. I love it. Whenever I kind of went on my journey, one of my main things that I was trying to do is remove the stigma or talk about it so much that people would not you know, make a face or disagree and say, why did you do that? Why are you talking about this? Like, just make it not make it weird. Like so many women are doing it. We need to talk about it. Especially because women are 90 percent of the the patients that get plastic surgery. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're the targeted market. So there needs to be these conversations around inclusivity and like what the options are for us. Absolutely. As far as like services and stuff. Yeah. So whenever, let me tell you why I loved your page. Part of my show, what I talk about is how do you maintain your results after surgery and how you have to make the lifestyle changes prior to surgery in order for you to maintain those results. It's not a one and done. It's not, you will lose and you will look so good and you're going to feel so good in the mirror and you're going to look good in your clothes. But if you do not change your eating habits and you do not add activity to your lifestyle, you will end up back where you were. And that's I'm not lying. I have seen plenty of times women who go through my journey, go, not with me right now, but in my the course of my career over the last 14 years where I've seen women go through the journey, have the tummy tuck, have the lipo. I don't see them again. Like they go through post-op and then I don't see them for a couple of years. And then I see them back in the office. What happened now? They need liposuction again. Why? Because oh. they didn't change their lifestyle changes. And then here's the thing, you guys, sometimes that fat can't be lipoed. I am so sorry to tell you, but that fat is accumulating around your organs, around your intestines. And guess what? You're going to have to lose it on your own. We can, yeah. we can only liposuction what we can pinch. And sometimes whenever you come in after a tummy tuck and you did not change your eating habits, you will look pregnant from the side if you don't change. <laughs> and I've seen it over and over and over again. I experienced it myself whenever I told y'all I went on that slippery slope. 
<laughs> of eating whatever I wanted after surgery. And I had to catch myself like, oh, crap, I'm doing the same thing. I better freaking snap out of it. And sure enough, I was able to snap out of it. And now I'm, well, that's why I'm here telling y'all don't do don't be a mavi. Change your eating habits prior to surgery. It'll make your whole journey so much easier. And I'm so happy. So, Brittany, you're here to tell them, tell them right. Tell them what you did. Yeah. So definitely, as you were saying, piggybacking off what you said, that fat, the visceral fat that cannot be lipoed is something that we have to take care of on our own. And I wish more dogs understood that. I understand like everybody doesn't want to have a 30 BMI. Everybody doesn't want to have a 27 BMI. But if you're one of those dogs who want that super, super snatched body, that Instagram model body, then dealing with that visceral fat is going to come through diet and exercise. What you do in the kitchen and what you do at home or in the gym is going to play a major part in your results. And the closer you are to your desired weight, your desired look, the better your results are going into surgery. So a little bit about me. I founded the BBL when I started my own journey or after starting my journey. I'm a mom of five. And I was 220 pounds and I was influenced. I did. I would get on Instagram and I would see the Instagram models and some of Bernice and Brittany B and even women like Cardi. And I was like, I love their body. But I didn't just want the Instagram model body. I also liked women like Serena Williams, TK Fit, Guam. And I liked the muscles that they had. So I started putting it in my head. I was like, okay, so... Some of this going to have to happen in the gym. <laughs> Some of this going to be a little bit of surgery to get my dream body, right? So I started working out. And then I was in the surgery community already. And I was following dolls like Duran 2020 doll, some other Duran dolls. And I was seeing what they were contributing to the community. And I was like, well, I'm not really good at compressing. I don't like the faha like that. I was like, so where can I help out in the community? What could I attribute in my stories and on my journey that would help? you know, grow our community. And I was like, well, I'm on this amazing fitness journey to lose the weight because Duran had denied me at first. <laughs> she mm-hmm. told me I was fat. She was like, baby, no, ma'am. Like when I first reached out to her, my BMI was like 34, right? And so she's like, you know, you got to bring your BMI down if you want, you know, basically to get surgery. So as I was doing all the things to lose weight, I started sharing it on my page, my what I was eating, what workouts I was doing. And it started gaining traction and people started labeling me as the fitness doll. <laughs> like, if you want to lose weight, follow the expensive doll because she's doing everything right to give her surgeon the best foundation. And it's amazing how people will help you find your gift, right? Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I am trying to give her the best foundation. I don't know. I was trying to get that weight off so I can get this to the surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, as time went on and like that became a narrative that I was working hard to get my surgeon the best foundation, it started to make sense. Like more dogs need to get this. We need this needs to catch fire that we really can give our surgeons the best foundation possible. So then when I went into surgery, BMI was at about a 28 and I was 150 pounds, which was my ideal weight. When I came out, I looked phenomenal. I didn't have the muscles I wanted all the way, but my body looked great. So I started going back into keto and that didn't really work. So any dog out there, if you're doing keto, I'm going to highly recommend you stop it and start trying it. Like keto is good pre-op, but really try to go into a more whole food diet post-op. So that way you are helping that fat. There's some really good attributes of keto that I cannot, you know, take away from it. But a whole food diet, once you learn how to have a good, healthy relationship with food, is going to be more beneficial to grow that BBL. I do want to add something right there before we Uh go too far and then I forget. 
So Mm -hmm. with your BBL ladies after surgery, so many of you go into calorie deficit where you're not eating enough. Your body is like taking everything it can from what you have stored to get you through recovery. And then what Mm -hmm. happens? You start losing your BBL. Your fat's shrinking. Your your BBL is shrinking. You need to eat. You need to have at least this is what Kylie from nutrition.plastic surgery her recommendation and she, she was like I mean as a general she's like everybody's different of course we all know that but as a general like rule like at least 1800 calories during those first three months of recovery and three months you guys I know you're gonna say like I'm gonna gain weight or whatever even if you gain a little bit of weight during those first three months of recovery you're giving your fat that freshly f- transferred fat the best opportunity to live. Uh huh. But when we say that that eighteen hundred to two thousand, because I tell my dogs two thousand. See, when okay, eighteen hundred to two thousand. Yeah, eighteen hundred to two thousand calories. Because we are different, and so with that being said, because sometimes eighteen hundred could still be too low for certain women. So we have to say that eighteen hundred to two thousand, give and take, that's two hundred different than whomever we're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. There's a valuable website, precisionnutrition.com. And if you go on there, there's a free macro calculator that you can use to figure out your macros. And it'll tell you what you should be eating for what your 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 goals are. And if you find out what your maintenance calories are, you really only need to eat 500 calories over your maintenance diet. So if you weren't trying to lose weight or gain weight, you're just trying to maintain your current weight, that's a good indicator of what you need to be eating at because you need to eat 500 calories over maintenance once you start healing, right, from your, your surgeries. But you made a very good point. A lot of women are coming out of these out of their surgeries. And the first thing they want to do when they say, OK, I'm getting ready to get back in the gym 12 weeks post-op even is they start cutting their calories to twelve hundred and thirteen hundred calories because nine times out of 10, you go on to you. I mean, you're overweight already. Right. Let's just say you have a little extra weight that you still need to get off after surgery. And then you hire a fitness trainer or you go on Google and you find a standard diet. So then you cut your calories down to 12 and 1300 or 1500 calories, extremely low. Then you start doing all the extra cardio in the world. You just cardio, 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 treadmill, treadmill, treadmill. And and that's all you think you have to do to get the weight off. And we've been taught wrong. We've been taught so wrong for so long. A general rule is two to three days of cardio, not full cardio days, but doing the cardio after you go in the gym and lift. You want to create what they call the X shape in your body when you after after surgery, and the X shape is basically building up your upper body and your lower body, but keeping your waist small. Once you build that X shape up, your results are going to be phenomenal. And lifting weights is not going to make you look manly. Like you're not going to lift weights and look manly. You're going to lift weight, build curves, and build up lean muscle mass. Replacing the fat with lean muscle mass is going to give you the best results because you're going to do something called body recomping. And so I'm, I'm, that's why I'm really happy that the Fit BBL is finally like making some traction so that I can start educating dolls on these words. Educate them. This is your opportunity. Tell us yeah. what, tell us about macros. Tell us about body recon. Tell us about everything. This yeah, is body- your chance, girl. <laughs> right. No, everyone, that's that's the magic word after surgery. It's not weight loss, it's body recomp. And that's the word that every doll should have in their vocabulary when they're talking to a trainer. Like even if you don't hire me as your personal trainer, 
if you talk to any trainer, the word of the day is body recomposition. And when you go to a trainer, you need to say, hey, I'm looking to body recomp. I don't want to necessarily change the number on the scale, but I do want to change the way in which my body is comp is composed because you can have it one or two ways. You can be composed of fat or you can be composed of muscle. You stay the same exact size, but you drop that fat and replace it with lean muscle mass, which is going to create more feminine curves. It's going to make that BBL look like you had two, three rounds. It's going to make them legs look like you was born with it. I'm telling you, you're going to be all around fine, fine, like wine fine. Mm-hmm. People won't ever question if you had a BBL or not. No one walks up to me and asks me if I have a BBL. People are actually shocked when I tell them that I had a BBL because they're like, wait, why are your legs so big, though? <laughs> oh, because I weight train. I put I pick up heavy shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm strong. Days a week. <laughs> like, and that came from education and three years of searching and like really digging deep to figure out the secrets in the fitness community. You know what I mean? And bringing it back over and finding that little sweet spot. I'm like, wait, there is a void. There are not a lot of trainers who talk enough about helping dogs that have had plastic surgery. If anything, oh, girl, I don't, you probably could say the same. I'm mm-hmm. so sick of seeing trainers talk about surgery in a way like it could be avoided. Yeah. Like you can do in the gym what you can get on the surgery table. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, while that's good for some people, I feel like they literally exclude us. I found so many trainers that I would have worked with, but I like would watch their lives or listen to them talking on their pages and instantly get offended when they say something about a woman with a BBL. Like, oh, yeah, that's not real. That's not homegrown. That's false. It is offensive, okay. right? It is kind it's of offensive. offensive. I'm not going to give someone my money that because I'm, I'm African-American and I take it. I always say I use this as an example when people be like racist people. I'm not going to give someone that is racist my black dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with a trainer. I'm not going to give a trainer who is biased to women who have had plastic surgery my money when you don't like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you don't You're like right. The community that I'm with. You don't like the community that I stand for. That's and most right. of our community is made up of moms. Oh, my most God. The, can you say that again? And as loud the, as you the can. Ma- the majority of our community is moms. We are moms. We All are of moms. us. Um, a lot of carried, us. We have carried life. We have birthed life. I had to tell someone, they tried to put me up against a woman who ain't had not one kid. One lady, she was like, I don't see the point. I asked her, I said, how many children have you pushed out your vagina? Mm-hmm. How many have you carried? She said, none. Then me and you can't have a conversation. I can't talk to you. You haven't even been where I've been. You haven't had to go through what I've went through. Your you body hasn't changed through child, exactly. through child carrying and childbirth. Like, girl, you don't even know yet. Hold on. Wait till exactly. your hips get wider. Wait till you can't get that belly back to normal to, because yeah. your muscles are spread out. You just wait. <laughs> Exactly. I had one trainer who I was listening to who who really honed in on that. And that's Dr. Nicole Monroe. And I love her. Okay, like if you guys need someone to follow, I feel like she never talks anything bad about plastic surgery because she actually had mentioned that she wanted to get her breasts done. Right. But she said it best. She said, I can't talk about a woman getting a tummy tuck because I haven't had a baby. I can't talk about a woman getting a BBL because that's not my fight. I've never had to worry about having a big butt because while I didn't get breasts, I got a big butt. So I can't talk about a woman who made that choice because I know I want the choice to get breasts so I can imagine that that's the same choice of someone who doesn't have a butt, they would want to get a BBL. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's really just that simple. 
You know, like respect someone for their body autonomy and mind your body's autonomy. (laughs) Let me tell you something that somebody told me whenever I was planning to launch the podcast. So it was a a man. They stay in our business. (laughs) Uh, So I told him, oh, well, you know, I'm going to launch a podcast for female empowerment about plastic surgery, about empowering women in their plastic surgery journey. And he was like, well, isn't that an oxymoron? And I was like, what do you mean? Like I, I got instantly defensive. Like, what do you mean? Isn't that an oxymoron? He's like, well, like you're empowering a woman, but you're asking them to change. Like empowering should be empowering them to love themselves how they are. Oh, I and, love when they say that. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like you, you really don't understand at all any of what I'm talking about because you've never lived it. So you don't understand. And it, to you, it might sound foreign and weird, but to the women who I serve, they understand because it's a journey going through plastic surgery and deciding to change your body is such a journey. And men cannot understand and people who have not gone through it, they really don't understand either. Nope. It, I got very defensive that day. I, I get I get extremely defensive about it because their argument is, well, why would you encourage them to stay natural? Because it, it boils down to mental health. There are people who, like myself, we're okay. We're okay for the most part. Until you walk in a room feeling great about yourself and you have on a nice dress and someone goes, are you pregnant? <gasps> no. You know how many times I heard that before I had a tummy tuck? I, I mean, for years. But you know what? I, it happens I, to so many of us. Mm-hmm. I was doing all the work, working out, but that stomach, because I had diastasis recti, just would not go down. In actuality, I was making it worse. The exercises that I, would do, that I was doing, because we just now have started having a conversation about TVA muscles, right? Like exercises that help with our deep core muscles. Mm-hmm. But this comes with years of education, trial and error. I'm 34 years old, so I grew up with the crunch era. Mm-hmm. Crunches, sit-ups, crunches, sit-ups, six-packs are made through crunches and sit-ups. Now we're finding out that everyone has a six-pack, but they're made in the kitchen, not the gym. You don't get abs in the gym. You get abs in your kitchen. And what you do in the gym just helps to further push them out. But when you're a woman who has already had children and you have diastasis recti from your pregnancy, you're doing more harm than good when you go to do those crunches and those sit-ups and those planks. You're not supposed to be in those positions. You're further tearing apart your abdomen muscles. So now when you're thinking, oh, okay, I did my sit-ups, I did my crunches, and then you're losing weight everywhere else, but your abdomen is protruding out. So then you get that question like, you get that question, oh, when are you due or are you pregnant again? That shit is defeating. Like, wait, no, I've been working out. I've actually lost weight. I look pregnant to you? Mm. I, it's so disheartening. It is. And then people think it's okay to act because we're women, right? Like, it's okay to ask you if you're pregnant. Someone asked me today, are you pregnant? And I'm like, no, I'm bloated. <laughs> really? The- yeah, because I'm, I'm bloated and I had some alcohol. So I'm in Swell Hill right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and ladies, Swell Hill is real. Okay. Oh, Swell Hill is real. I had a post uh, on my Instagram this week where it was like, well, post-op week one. And it's like a drawing of a horse where like at the beginning of the horse, it's like a kindergarten drawing. And then at the end of the horse, by the tail, like it's a professional drawing. And I'm like... Week one is like the <laughs> kindergarten drawing. Like week eight, you're like in the middle. Like it's it's showing like form, but it's not perfect. And then by a year, 
we're really starting to see what it could, what it's going to look like. Yes, definitely. So yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm definitely bloated and I'm in swell health. So that's where we're at with that at 20 months post-op, like literally almost two years post-op and I still swell and my cycle just makes me bloat so bad. It's just, oh Lord. So what I noticed after my surgeries, and I've actually talked about it on other episodes with the Faha doctor. Oh, I love her. After she's we've done episodes together. She's so much fun. She's another woman that I found her and I was like, I am obsessed with what you're doing. I need to have you on my show because what I have found in the community and I love supporting women who create something out of necessity for the community. For example, like for her. She was like, I need my faha altered. No, like, how am I going to do this? She did it for herself. And then she started doing it for other dolls. And that's how she ended up building her business. And mm-hmm. for you, look, you you needed it for yourself. You were doing it for yourself and you ended up building something for the community. And I think it's so beautiful. And Kylie, the nutritionist, she was building something for the community. And I really love supporting, you know, the women who are doing stuff for the community because they know Nobody else is doing it for us. We got to do it for ourselves, for the ones who are coming, for the ones who are behind us. We are the ones setting, you know, don't be afraid of looking for information and all of these things. We're, we're, you know, kind of paving the path. Yeah, because a lot of the dolls before us, there were so many good Duran dolls that I followed. But the community went through a weird period. And I don't know if you were around during this time where we had like troll madness and mean girls for a while. I think we had it, trolls and mean girls. It maybe like, jealousy. There's a lot of jealousy, I feel, and envy when people or women start talking about having plastic surgery and women who don't want to have plastic surgery, who are against plastic surgery, or who honestly just can't afford it, decide that they're going to be mean to us. Like um, saying, some of these dogs was women that had surgery and they were just mean. And then what happened was it was like this push of a lot of the older dogs that had been in the community for a while were like, yo, I'm out. And it was just like, wait, wait, no, come back. We needed that guidance. We needed that information. And so many dogs, I wish we could go back and be like, hey, can you come back and come back to your page and come back? We, we need that. We need that. But I, I I definitely love that there are more pages and more brands popping up. It seems like weekly that is solely for us. Solely for us. And it's from women who are in the community, other women mm-hmm. who are going through the same things. They're experiencing like roadblocks and they're like, OK, how do I get past this roadblock? And then when they figure it out, they're like, I got to tell the others. <laughs> <laughs> facts, facts. It has been such a great experience like from conception of the idea to watching it flourish because I just made the Fit BBL page in March and it just seemed like my surgery page wasn't doing much of anything and I was like I think I need to take this outside of my surgery page and give it give it its own page and really make mm-hmm. it a business I filed for my LLC we are in the works to get it trademarked we're just doing everything I'm now training other women to become fitness trainers specifically around plastic surgery so i'm starting with women that i know wow that's so amazing yes we, it's, it's gonna take more than just me i am one person and while i would love to service everybody life is not promised today or tomorrow you know what i mean and i just don't want it to die with me right and so i'm like i want to have it to where i can branch out 
and have other women trainers. So anybody that's getting plastic surgery and you're looking to be a trainer and like if you like fitness and you want to get into that training space, I would love to team up with y'all because it's going to it's going to take more than just me. It's really going to take more than just me. It's the community. It's going to take the community. Yeah. And the spreading of the word in the right way, because I really want to see the fade out of what's that medication people be taking for weight loss. Um, Is it Fenner? It's not good. Well, there's Phenermine. Fetamine, yeah. I really want to see Fetamine fade out of our community. I, I mean, I really that. shouldn't. It, you guys, if you're on your plastic surgery journey and you're anywhere between three months and six months out of surgery, you need to stop taking your that Fetamine, especially if you're like three months within surgery. I've had patients, surgeries canceled by the anesthesiologist because they were on Fetamine too close to surgery. And it's besides that, it's terrible for you. I understand that we're trying to lose weight. I understand. I get it. And there, sometimes it feels like there's no other way. There's no other solution. But I promise you there is, especially now. If you're looking to lose weight and you're trying to get an aid, it doesn't have to be phenamine. There's other things now. We talk about it on previous episodes about what the celebrities are using to lose weight, like Kim and Chloe, to get down to what they look like now. Mm-hmm. And it's not phenamine. Yeah, I don't like it. And that was another reason for birthing the Fit BBL. I just seeing dolls that were having the adverse effects of Fetamine and then dolls who were having heart conditions caused by Fetamine. Mm-hmm. It was just like, there's a better way. I just really wanted to see the toxicity. And look, with all things, there's good and bad, right? And so the good things about plastic surgery is, yeah, we get confidence and yeah, we feel great. But in that mad dash to get surgery, we're not giving ourselves enough time. The Fit BBL is here to say, hey, I need you to give yourself a year. Before mm-hmm. you go get on that table, I am highly recommending you give yourself a year. Well, why a year? I want it tomorrow. You do want it tomorrow. But you didn't lose the weight to get it that tomorrow because you, you need to lose weight to get down. And I want to know that you're going to lose the weight in about six months and then keep it off for six months. The way you give yourself healthy habits. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do is plan a surgery three months out. And then after that, you're going to go right back to the. To the way you were doing. Yeah. To what you were doing before. Yeah. And then you're back on the table. I really don't like the second round. It's not even second round. First round, cool. Second round, cool. That third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Now you're just becoming a habit. You're like, I don't like that culture. I don't like that. I agree. I agree. And that's let me tell you, ladies. Part of what I try to do with you whenever you come with me, whenever you come talk to me, you get a consultation from me. What I try to do is figure out like, okay, what look are you trying to get to? For example, a lot of women will say they want a tummy tuck BBL. And I have to find out like, okay, which one of these is your priority? If it's your stomach or is it your butt or is it your stomach and then your butt? Because if it's your stomach and then your butt, we can combo. If it's only your butt and like your butt is the most important thing, we can separate it. But most of the time when you have like a multiple procedure wish list, we can break it up into two surgeries and get everything when we plan properly. So it doesn't have to be those people who are getting two, three, I mean, four, five, six, seven rounds, it's because nobody helped them plan properly how to have these procedures and what order to have them in order to get the best results from the next one. Like there's so much more to planning these surgeries than just, oh, I want to have a tummy tuck. Yep, this guy does a good job. I'm going to go to him. Uh, No, no, (laughs) no. 
That is not how it happens. It does happen like that. But most of those people who do go that route end up not happy with their results or end up going back under. So what I'm trying to avoid is all of that. Like I've already like, for example, I had a phone call yesterday with the uh, one of my girls who so she had already had a tummy tuck and she has a dog ear on one side. So mm-hmm. my question is, I've already seen women come in for dog ears before in my career. I've seen it. I've seen them only fix the dog ear. And then once the dog ear is fixed, they realize, oh, I have a hip dip right here. Oh, I should have gotten this fixed while I was under. And then now we're like, okay, well, now you have your dog ears fixed, but your hip dip is sticking out on one side and not on the other. And it's just like really planning with the patient and the doctor and trying to figure out like, how are we going to get to what look you're trying to get to with the least amount of surgeries and the least amount of like recovery, go only have recovery one time, maybe two times. But most of the time, if we're, if we plan properly, we can get it all done at once. At one time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At one time. Especially because every time I imagine that every time we go under, we're risking our lives. We have children we have to get back to. Mm-hmm. And there is risk. And how many times are we risking? How many how many times are you willing to risk your life to look good in some clothing for a few years? Like that's, that, that's what it boils down to. How many times? How many times? What kind of story or legacy would you leave behind if something happens to you? Mm-hmm. You want people to say, oh, she was just satisfied with something so small. You know, because we keep going back. I'm a Duran doll. And for some reason, at the bottom of our stomach, Durans leave like this little extra fat. Me and my husband have the deuce that is to make us look more natural, right? Mm-hmm. Or she can't really like all that area. I can tell you guys. I can tell y'all. So this is actually a really good teaching opportunity. And I've been looking for a way to talk about this. So whenever they're doing a tummy tuck, because it's not just Duran dolls, it's like tummy tucks in general, unless they are specifically telling you that they're going to liposuction it flat or, mm-hmm. you know, you're there's like some doctors who call it a lipo tuck or they have different names for it. But most board certified plastic surgeons who are doing everything safely will not liposuction that fat, that space between your belly button and your breast above your belly button to your breast for imagine like in between your ribs from your belly button to your breast, that area is not going to get liposuction during your tummy tuck surgery most of the time. And you don't want it to be liposuctioned because that is where you are carrying the blood flow to your incision. So when they cut your tummy and they're bringing it down and they're trying to do everything possible to make sure that that flap survives. Ah, and when, they don't get so when you you can't liposuction create a bunch of damage and trauma to the area and then pull it down and expect for all the blood flow to work perfectly and to not have a wound breakdown so I know a lot of times women are like oh like they're unhappy because of this but if you think about your when you're gonna get a tummy tuck look at that how it looks up above your belly button It'll be tighter and flatter, but that, I guess you could like, if it's bulging or if it's soft, that will still be there, but stretched out and flatter toward and pulled all the way down to your panty line. 
unless you specifically ask your surgeon to liposuction and they will probably tell you no. You can ask, but they'll probably <laughs> tell you no. And I'm glad they will. And if they don't, they might tell you something like, oh, we trim it because sometimes they'll trim the fat while they're doing the tummy tuck. They'll trim the fat on the inside with scissors. So so it won't be so like round or like so it won't pop out as much. Uh-huh. But there's no way around it. So, so I've always wondered if I should get a second round just for like a little lipo right there. Yeah. So let me tell you what I did. Uh-huh. I had my tummy tuck and I had... I knew I was going to have that because I had seen it before with a lot of patients who they weren't at their goal weight. So when I had my surgery, I was not at my goal weight. I should have been, but I wasn't. And going into it, I knew I wasn't at my goal weight. So with that knowledge going into surgery, I knew I was going to have that little like uh, not it's not a pooch, but it's like. A little... I guess the best way to explain it is a pooch. <laughs> yeah, I get it. The best way to describe it is kind of like a pooch, but it's just like a little bit of skin and fat, right? Like Right. And it goes down sometimes. Like if I put my faha on and I compress, it can go flat. It just doesn't stay flat, but it can go there. <laughs> yeah. So what I did was I had my, my tummy tuck in 2017 and then... In 2019, when I did my breast, because I broke my surgeries up, I did my tummy tuck lipo 360 BBL in one surgery. And then in 2019, I went back and I did my breast. I did a breast lift reduction. She made them smaller, lifted them, and then I got an implant. And when I went in for that, I told her to clean up my lipo. So she went back and clean did cleaned up my lipo from my tummy tuck. So that's how I did it. I'm very happy with the sequence in which I did things because I was able to if I had needed a round 2, which at that time my butt was already so big I was not going to take anymore. <laughs> and she was like, "Are you sure? Are you sure you want me to throw this away?" And I was like, "Don't stick it back in. I do not need any more fat back there." Like my butt got huge because I got on that slippery slope of eating after surgery but it looked good like I liked it Uh so she just liposuctioned everything and I asked her like did you ab etch me and she was like I did a light ab etching okay I see it because I love my results and that's Uh how I did it so she came back in and liposuctioned after my tummy tuck was like well healed all this all the skin had already laid back down I was still in my garment but she did a, an amazing job and that's what it, really what I recommend if you're going to do a tummy tuck lipo 360 BBL there's so many opinions on how what order you should do it how you should do it can you do a tummy tuck and a BBL at the same time if your main priority is to get your butt as fat as possible don't do it at the same time Mm-mm. do your liposuction first uh-huh. 360 lipo, BBL, and then come back and do the tummy tuck. And they can liposuction you again and liposuction the fat, the skin that they're going to pull out. They liposuction it like once they get it off the table. Liposuction. So you get all of that fat and then you can do your round two BBL. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And okay. the, there's another option. So if your tummy, if your BBL is like an afterthought, if you're like my main priority, like for me, my main priority was my stomach. Like I need to get my stomach flat or back to normal. 
the BBL was like, I want it. I want the shape. Like I wasn't, but I w- it wasn't my main priority. So I did a combo procedure where I had my tummy tuck and my lipo 360 BBL at the same time. So I was able to recover once I took two weeks off of work and I was able to recover one recovery for those, both of those procedures. And the BBL fat, the reason why they tell y'all not to do it at the same time is because they're like, oh, you're going to be laying on your butt and all the fat's going to go away. And so I've talked about it on the show before, how I did my little nest, like my pillow fort where I would lay in the middle of it so I could suspend my butt and not be on the on the bed, but still be folded over. That's how I did it because my BBL was like second thought. My main priority was my tummy tuck. And if it's like that, if you're like, I want to do a BBL, I don't want to have surgery again, you can combo it. You have to find a doctor that does good, is good at combo procedures because not all of them are. Definitely. No, they're not. Please find a doctor that's good, that works with your body shape. Like, I I feel like a lot of dogs go to people that their friends knew of or the first doctor that pops up on their page and they're like, this doctor has great results. And I caution against that. Yes, take advice from your friends and family members who have had plastic surgery, but look beyond their results and look into other people with different body shapes results because then it might cha- it might shift and change your mind on that doctor. Like really, really do some research. My sister is a Cabral doll. And in my mind, I just knew I was going to be a Cabral doll. Like, oh, nope, I want her same results. But I did not like her tummy touch score. <laughs> so you went, this is interesting because I think you're the first doll that comes on the show that had surgery in Colombia. DR. DR. Yeah. Hold on. So you, you need to spill the beans because so when I started the podcast, I was like, don't go anywhere. Like y'all better be having surgery here. It's so unsafe. Like, because I was seeing all the shit that was coming through the office of Uh like people coming back and they're having all of these issues And so I I kind of came into the podcast knowing all of that, like what was going into the hospitals. Like, for example, y'all don't know that from Brownsville to Dallas, Texas, none of the hospitals would take a patient who had surgery on the other side of the border, was having terrible complications and they would no hospital would take her. Wow. The only reason I know is because they called me to try to get me to help them find somebody that would take them. They ended up coming to Conroe, Texas. And that was the next place from Brownsville that they could find where they would take her. So these are the things that I was seeing that I'm hearing that I'm, you know, living. And then with the podcast, I was like, don't go anywhere. But the more and more I talk to women and there's specific doctors in the DR and in Columbia that I hear really great reviews. I hear really great results from and all of their dolls are always so happy. So I'm so happy to have somebody. So spill the beans. Okay, so a way to get around that. When I started planning my surgery in the Dominican Republic, I heard about the horror stories of women coming back to the States (laughs) and not being able to get servicing and being told to fly back. So I started interviewing doctors here in the U.S. that, hey, if I have an emergency and I come back home, could you take care of me? I found a lady, Dr. Madeline Hunt, and she said, if anything happens and you need me, I will definitely care for you. She's a Kelsey Sebo doctor. And so she did all of my labs for me before I left. I was completely upfront with her. And I also told her I was going to hit her to do my letter to go back to work. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she hooked you up. She did. I said, babe, I'm going to need my back to work letter too because I told my job I was going to be out, have a surgery for my ovaries, you know, because it's hip, but they can't action on your business, right? So I had went through a Cabral doll who, what's her name? Oh my God. I can't think of her name right now. But she does the FMLA leave paper for the community, okay? And so she did my leave paperwork, but I knew to return back to work, I was going to need my doctor to sign off on that. And so she was like, I got you, you know, you're doing everything right before you leave. And so I support it. I will take care of it when you get back. My experience in the DR was great. I jumped on the flight. I went by myself. I did hook up with some few, like a few dolls on Instagram. And because I was already known in the community for being the workout doll, like a lot of women that were there during the time I was there knew me. Like even one doll, when I couldn't, I didn't speak Spanish, but she walked up. She said, "Hey, expensive doll." Oh, I, said, hey, I love it. it. She said, "Do you need translating?" I said, "I do. Can you help me? Because I don't know what he's saying." <laughs> and she's like, "He's saying grab the number and have a seat and just listen for the last digit, like the last two digits on the paper." I was like, "Thank you." And see, that's the kind of things we need in the community because me and her had conversations online. You know, we don't know who each other are because we, so many of us and just at least having that, that handle and stop changing y'all's handles because so many women change their handles. And it's like, who are you? Oh, I was the Cabral doll. Now I changed my name to Mejio doll 2023. And it's like, why you just leave it the same? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we get that you change, but pick a name and stick with it. Okay. That helps us. But she was telling me who she was. And I went right into my messages and I was like, yes. Okay. Thank you so much for helping me. Take a translator, pick a reputable recovery home, do your research. But my experience over there was great. I did have an emergency situation. I did require a blood transfusion during my time there. My recovery house, I used the old school recovery house. I didn't go with the fancy smancy recovery house. I went with the good old down home cooking type recovery house. I felt like I was at my mom and my aunt house. You know what I mean? That's like, beautiful. It didn't have all the fancy, smancy, like, uh, you know, upgrades that people look for in recovery homes. I wanted to feel taken care of. And that is exactly what happened. So I did stay at Metropolis Recovery Home. I'm always going to recommend them. They are, they know what they're talking about. Like when I came home from surgery, I'm going to say home, back to the recovery house, right? So I left the hospital, which was Cipla. Cipla was clean. You can smell the bleach. I think sometimes people can scare people like, oh, it's not that modern, but modern doesn't mean good. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a hospital. It looked like any other hospital I had been in. It was clean. There were women cleaning all the time. When I went into surgery, the surgery room was clean. I know this because I was looking around. I'm a weed smoker. And so when they first, first gave me my medication to knock me out, I didn't go down right away. (laughs) that is so crazy that you said that because literally an hour ago I was just on a live and she was talking about how cannabis use you have to disclose it to your anesthesiologist because you require more anesthesia yes girl I did not go down they gave me the anesthesia and then Duran came in she was on her cell phone typing and she's looking at them I'm looking at her they looking at me waiting for me to go down and I'm staring at them and then all I hear them say is something 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 you know they're talking in Spanish weed and I said, they were like, ah. Then they went back over the anesthesia. She went back over, twiddled with some things. She came back. She said, okay, mommy, count to 10. You're going to go to sleep, okay? I think I made it to three because whatever she did. She gave you a little <laughs> bit more. It was what I needed. I was like, one, baby, I was gone, okay? I did wake up at the end of my surgery when they were finishing my tummy tuck. Duran was in there. She, I woke up. I looked up. You know, look, I was loose. I wasn't all the way woke. You know, you kind of like turn over. 
in your sleep type situation. So she's like, I'm finishing your tummy tuck, mommy, okay? And I'm like, oh, okay. I just wanted to get the blanket out of my face. So I was like, can I get this blanket off my nose? Like, off my nose. <laughs> <laughs> and then they heard me, too. I'm talking about, like, literally, like, can y'all get this blanket off my nose? <laughs> and they moved the blanket, and I knocked back out. When I came to, it was like a horror film. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in the recovery room with, like, six other women, and they were coming out of the anesthesia. And baby, that pain, I guess, was starting to kick in. And, and they was going, they was having it, okay? They was not having it. One girl was screaming. I woke up. The anesthesia makes you throw up or for some people. I woke up and started vomiting. I was like, why well, I had to be the vomiter? Why well, I could be a screamer? <laughs> <laughs> I woke up vomiting. I was just like, they was not going to make it fast enough before I could even get the words out. It's like I opened my eyes. My stomach was like, oh, we woke, cool. Like, I couldn't even get the words out that I'm going to throw up. They cleaned me up immediately. I went back to sleep. When I left the hospital and moved into my recovery home, the recovery home owner was getting ready to leave. She had her purse on her shoulder. She had her bags. And she's like, all right, I'll see y'all tomorrow. And she looked at me and she said, mommy, you don't look too good. I said, I'm okay. I'm just, you know, I'm in pain. I just had... <laughs> I just had a BBL and tummy tuck, ma'am. I feel like a truck has hit me. And she's like, no, no, no. You look worse than surgery. You look like something is wrong. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I was just like, you know, some medication. Girl, she put that purse down. She put them bags down. She kicked her shoes off. And she just sat there and stared at me. <laughs> and she was like, nope. No. So they gave me they gave me liquid iron to drink. She gave me my medication. She got food for me, made sure I was drinking water, but she did not leave my side. And before I knew it, an hour after that, I passed out. She was right. I was not okay. My hemo level had dropped and I needed a blood transfusion. So I was back to the hospital. Now that is where I had the worst experience of my entire time in the Dominican Republic, going back to the hospital. And I'm going to be transparent because it, it just has to be said. It is better if you have your, I guess I should have had my overnight nurse with me. And I'm going to say this, and I need to put this on my page. Hire your overnight nurse for an additional night, just in case. I, this is, that is one thing that I wish I would have done. I wish I would have hired my overnight nurse for an additional night, just in case, and been okay with losing that money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like putting her own retainer, just in case, because the next night I was in the hospital and I had nobody with me. And so I was treated a little different, in my opinion. I am Colombian, so I was able to call home and get my my family to translate because my my Spanish is not that good. I am a Houston-grown Colombian, and everybody else spent time in Colombia. And so they all speak Spanish, and I don't. <laughs> and I just have not learned it because I'm lazy, okay? <laughs> so I called home, and my brother and sister was able to translate for me. And we got it all situated, but the treatment was definitely different in the moments that I was in the hospital. It's like I almost had to beg for care in those moments, waiting for mm-hmm. my blood. Because I don't, I didn't speak Spanish, so it was like, oh, she's, you know, she's not talking to us, so clearly nothing's wrong. <laughs> the I finally got an overnight nurse, or I finally got a nurse because my recovery home called to check on me, and they were like, "How are you? What's going on?" And I told them, "I'm like, I don't like the way they're treating me in the recovery house." sent me a nurse. And so that's why I'm always going to say like Metropolis Recovery House is definitely has so much respect in my books because they sent me a nurse. And then that was it was better after somebody was with me because the nurses in the hospital, they're there to just do other work. It's like they're there to work, but they're not there to be your personal one on one nurse. Does that make sense? Right, like, right, right. 
they're there to work. And I feel like when we're in the U.S., when we have a nurse, it's like our nurse. Like we have a call button and we have personalized nurses that are going to come in and take care of you. It's not the same overseas. You're sharing that nurse and it's only a few of them. And they're not really at your beck and call. Like we don't get that same hospitality that we get in the U.S. when we're over there. That's the only thing that I hated. Other than that, when everything was smooth, everything was good. Everything was okay. Got my blood transfusion. They gave me an iron transfusion. They sent me back after 24 hours in the hospital. My doctor did come and check on me when I was in the hospital getting my transfusion. Like, I know a lot of people like, oh, I had a blood transfusion and my doctor never came back. No, Duran came. She came. She fixed my positioning in the bed. She checked my tummy tuck scar. She was even like, I don't know how this happened. You know, like it just happens sometimes because my hemo level was good coming out of surgery. I started in surgery at 13 point five and came out at nine but when I went back I was low at seven so like Mm -hmm. that that little drop from nine to seven took me out it was not I could not handle it I could not and I needed that transfusion for real I felt like hell it felt like shit but yeah I'm like I know we get a bad rep like a lot of stuff happens over there but it's because it's a mixture of things right like it's dolls not being honest it's dolls not properly taking care of themselves because they're in a rush to stand back up straight. Also, the whole taking medication with you to the Dominican Republic, don't do that. Yeah, mixing narcotics is not good. The medicine that they give us is strong enough. I don't know what these people were talking about in the past, that the medicine wasn't strong enough, but I felt like the medicine they gave me was strong enough. And I also was told when I was over there that like bringing handlebars and stuff, like peels from the U.S., and mixing them with the medication they give us over there can have, you know, it can have a chemical reaction. You can kill yourself. Yeah. You know, I didn't even you know, know people were doing that. Oh, you didn't? Yes. And so that's why I'm talking to these dolls because people are doing that. I was told, to, so I, when I traveled and I'm just, again, being transparent, I took about five pills with me. And that's because they were just like, the medicine over there is not good. But when I got there, The first thing they said is, do you have any medication with you? Because we're going to be giving you medication that's going to be the same as the medication you're bringing. You're going to have a chemical reaction and you kill yourself. We had a dog die that way. There was a dog that OD'd about two years back because the recovery house said they gave her her pain medication and she went in her bag and took more medication. Wow. And then the medicines reacted and she died. Wow. Wow. So let me tell you, uh, this is so new to me, like the Dominican Republic and traveling to Colombia. Not that it's new to me, like I've known that women have been doing it for a long time, but it like the ins and out of it is new to me because I've never had to experience it or walk somebody through that process. And one of the main reasons why I was always so cautious about traveling out of the country is because like here in Houston or like in the places where I've worked and I've worked at like one of the places that I worked at had eight doctors at like eight board certified plastic surgeons and everybody knew everybody knows everybody's business you know like everybody talks to each other all of the assistants talk to each other like if anybody is having a complication we all know about it like it's very hands-on and Mm -hmm. blood transfusions is something that I did not see hear of have happen often like that is something to me that it's like oh shit you had a blood transfusion like that's 
I wonder what happened. Like what's going because here, like you don't really hear about it. Like at least with the with the doctors that I work with in Florida. It's not common. No, not really. That's why I tell my girls, like if they're talking to y'all about about a blood transfusion before surgery, that means they're telling you like they're going to be so aggressive with their lipo that you might need a blood transfusion because that's how I I've heard it from other dolls who are like, oh, like, you know, I was a patient coordinator for a long time. So part of being a coordinator, I would talk to patients who were looking at other doctors. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that I heard was, oh, well, this was for Florida. This lady was going to go to this doctor in Florida. And she was like, well, I'll go with you guys. I'll pick you and your surgeon if you throw in the blood transfusion, too. And I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I like put her on hold and I was like, what the hell is she talking about? Like a blood transfusion. I even asked my surgeons, like, what do y'all know any of like, do we do this? Like, I've never heard of this. And uh-huh. they were like, no. What? Why would she need a blood transfusion? Like, why are we talking about a blood transfusion before we even have the surgery? So then I was like, okay. I got back on the phone and I was like, hey, like, why do you need a blood transfusion? We're not talking about cell saver. Cell saver is something different. We're talking about a blood transfusion, right? Like after surgery, you need a blood transfusion. Yeah, after surgery, that's that's common in the Dominican Republic. It's common. It's it's a common thing. Like they take the money up front it's, it's before your surgery. Yeah. You so the blood on hold. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like over there, that's very common. Here, it's not. Like that does not happen yeah. often here. So that's kind of one of those things. Like I wonder why is it so common over there, and it's not that common here. And what I think it is is the aggressiveness of the surgery or the amount of surgery that's being done at one time. Because when I have experienced it here. With now with the podcast and I get to talk to so many women every day, like I get to hear about everybody. What's everybody doing? So now that I'm not like blocked into one specific surgeon, I get to hear everybody's stories. And I there was a doctor here recently who had their patient needed a blood transfusion. And while she was at the hospital, she was calling me, telling me about it. And I was like, whoa, I wonder what happened. And then she mentioned to me the amount of like the procedures that were done. She Mm -hmm. had a tummy tuck lipo to the flanks back lower back lift and bra line lift oh yeah so i was like maybe that was too much surgery like how did they did oh he he added it last minute so all of this like blood transfusions whenever i talk on the show and like stuff that i talk about on my instagram if they're talking to you about a blood transfusion before surgery i usually say run because why are we talking about a blood transfusion before surgery like we shouldn't be doing anything that would get us there and sometimes when I know and I talked about this on a previous episode that I haven't released yet with two of my plastic surgeons here in Houston that what we talked about is that there's you know we as patients have these expectations of what the doctors should be delivering you know like I want to look like this one of those things is like I want no fat in my pinch like my when I roll my fingers in between like pinch my skin I want there to be no fat there and that's something like I hear that all the time girls tell me that and it's pushing the boundary of what's safe so you Mm -hmm. can really tell 
this is a little insider trick. You can really tell when somebody went to somebody who did not do really good liposuction because you can see everything underneath the skin. Why can you see everything? Because they didn't leave that small, thin layer of fat that you need in order for your results to look natural because it hides the cannula marks. It hides any like unevenness. It hides it. So the envelope is being pushed to remove as much fat, like make me like as snatched as possible, take as much as you can. And we're really pushing the envelope of what's safe. And I don't want to say that it's the patient, that it's the patient's fault or the doctor's fault, but it's like we're both kind of the patients are pushing for more and the doctors are trying to please us. Yep, because you're going to bring me the money you're asking for. (laughs) And at the end of the day, that's where the education comes in at, though. Yeah, I'm so happy that you have this podcast. First of all, I'm going to say I am so happy that you have this podcast. A lot of women have been talking about it. I told my husband this morning, I said she has a podcast, right? (laughs) uh, Surgery dedicated podcast. I just want you to know you have a new listener. I'm going to be listening all the time because we have been needing this. I'm ready for us now to all come together and put together our own conference, like a plastic surgery conference where dogs can come. And we have like these vendors that sell fajas. Yes, I am ready for that. I've been talking about that. It would be like my dream, like to have, you know how the doctors have their plastic surgery conference for us Uh to have like a conference for the journey, like helping women. Yeah, girl, we can can get it popping. We can get it popping. Let's talk after the let's talk after this. We need to set something up because we dogs ready to go. Durant 2020 dolls, CEO First Lady. Like there are dolls who want that. And then girl, what? Yes, we can have a brunch and everything. We could do it here. Okay. If you're here in Houston, you guys, if you're listening to this episode, go follow the Fit BBL. Step one. And then step two, if you want us to put try to plan something together and it doesn't even have to be a big thing at first. Let's baby steps. I know we can get there to something huge, but maybe we can set up like a brunch somewhere where it's nothing but like plastic surgery dolls. We could do fajas. If you need to talk about fajas, if you need help finding a surgeon, if you need a workout, like we got it. We can take care of you. We have enough women in the lady who does the BBL encyclopedia. She could come out because women need encyclopedia. Girl, don't get me started. And I have (laughs) friends that put together events. I have event planner friends and I have a friend that owns a club. So we literally can throw a girl's weekend. Let's do it. Let's I'm so ready for this. I've been wanting this. And so, yes, let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many of my girls after surgery are so ready to get out and just like, it's not like I want to get out and like show off, but I just, I'm so happy and I'm so excited to get dressed. Like, where can I go? What can I do? Where can I get myself into? <laughs> no, for real. That's me. Girls might. Cause you want to put on the new clothes. You want to throw on the dresses. You want to, you want to show your body. Yeah. You feel good. Like, especially because I, this is a new level of confidence I haven't had in a long time. Yes. Like, can't nobody yes. tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just being real. You can't tell me anything. I don't need no one's opinion on shit. Because I know <laughs> I look good and I feel good. Even if you don't think I look good, like, I think I look good. And that's what matters. Yes. And that's the kind of confidence I want my clients to walk away with. That's the kind of confidence that I want to inspire other women to get on this journey. Like, the big booty is cool. You know, the small waist is cool. But 
what after that? Like, what are you going to do after that with that new confidence and that new first start? Yes. Also, like, ladies, if I can impress upon you anything, and it's going to be document your journey, because I wouldn't have known three years ago I'll be a fitness trainer to women in the plastic surgery community. Like, you didn't know you were going to have a podcast. The Baja doctor didn't know she was going to have a Baja business. But not only do you pay for your surgery, you can invest in yourself through UGC creation, through influencing, through purely sharing your experience and then having something to look back on too. It literally can open up so many more doors for you other than just being cute in some outfits. Like I'm telling you, a component that I'm working on with planning, like with training women is helping them to also become influencers because for a lot of us, we do want to be influencers. We do want to take our journey to the next level and have a reason to show off. And that goes into, well, here's the next piece. Let me teach you how to how to properly do that. You know, and so that's my second thing I'm working out. I'm working on is helping women to take that newfound confidence and spread it in a meaningful way into other parts of their lives. You know Absolutely. I mean? It's beautiful. I It's such a beautiful thing to see. When somebody goes through the plastic surgery journey and I talk about it all the time and how like, I don't know what other way to explain it other than like the burden that you carried of worrying about what you look like is gone. Mm -hmm. And all of that mental space and energy that you were wasting on worrying about what you look like or what you're wearing or if it looks good or if you look pretty or if you are confident, like all of that energy that you were wasting on that. Now you can use it to do you think about other stuff like now you're thinking about like, well, what can I do here? What can I do over there? Like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy because like I have had moms, you you know, we know most of these our girls are moms. Like I've had moms who were like stay at home moms, you know. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you ever stayed at home, but I stayed home with my daughter when she was a baby for like 18 months. You did? So, you know, you know, like I love being a mom, being a mom is like one of my greatest achievements, like one of my Mm. I'm so proud to be a mom. And right. Like my humans are so cool. Yeah, I love my kids. But (laughs) that I remember when my daughter was little and I had left, I was working at a plastic surgery practice through my whole pregnancy. And then when I had my daughter, like it was my first kid and I could not go back to work. I was like, you want me to leave this little defenseless right? thing with somebody else help you? <laughs> and me go work and leave her yeah. with somebody else? No. So I stayed home with my daughter for like the first 18 months. But when she was as she was getting older, like at the 15 month mark, I was like, OK, you know what? Like, I'm really starting to lose myself in mommyhood and like I was gaining weight I was breastfeeding and when you're breastfeeding like I was so freaking hungry all the time so I was eating (laughs) and I was at home and all we all I did was take care of my baby and I really lost my I was starting to lose myself in mommyhood and what I did at that time was like okay I don't want to wake up when she's five and ready to go to school. And then I have not, I've been out of my job for how many years? Like, how am I going to jump back into this? Like, I've been doing this for so long. It's something that I really love doing. Like, I don't want to not have a career, not have something that's me talking to other adults, not just talking to children. 
Yes. Because, oh, girl, let me tell you. The, the, you started developing the baby language. Asking adults, <laughs> you got to go potty? I'm going to go potty. <laughs> I still say it to this day. I literally, four years at home. The first part was four years. And then I came, I went back to working and I was back at home for like two and a half. And then, yeah, so you're asking adults, you need to go potty? I'm going to go potty real <laughs> I'm gonna quick. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. I'm going to go potty real quick. So when I realized like, okay, I need to go back, I need to get back to work for myself, like for me. And like, I went back to work and then I started to like, think, okay, I'm going to have my surgery. Eventually I'm going to do my surgery because I was waiting in my mind, I'm going to be until I'm done having kids. Once I'm done having kids, then I'll have my surgery. So going back to work was just so great for me I was able to socialize I had like purpose again I was able to do things that I enjoyed and like I love seeing other women go through the same thing like I've seen other moms who are stay-at-home moms and they have their surgery and their kids are like already getting to school age or they're already in school and they were just staying at home and now they have this like newfound confidence and like energy like they feel like they can take on the world. Like I can do anything now. Yes. It's so exciting. I cape and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So I can you believe it's been an hour already? No, because I can talk about this all all day long. Do you hear me? I love this subject. I love this subject. Like, me too. I love it so much. I launched a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys want to hear me talk about nothing but plastic surgery, you can go back to the last 47 episodes and you'll hear nothing but plastic surgery talk. Important information, just like what we had today, like insider info, like really getting into what everybody is learning. What is everybody going through? Like just knowing that anybody who's listening to this show, you're not alone. You're not the first or the last person who wants to have plastic surgery. You're not the first or the last person who's going to have lipo. So really finding your community and understanding that we're all in it together. And luckily we have people like the Fit BBL, Brittany, and we have other people who are all about educating and helping this community grow. And for us to really stick together Like we can stick together, all of us, because we all have kind of the same mission and goal. Like plastic surgery changed our lives and we want to help other women have their lives changed through their plastic surgery. Yeah. If you choose to. I don't. If you choose to. That's right. Anybody. Because that's another thing. too. we get that negative stigma that you're promoting women to change their bodies. No, Mm -mm. you are. She already decided to change it and then she changed it. And I'm just here to help. Because once my mind was made up, nobody, not even God himself, could come down here and tell me to unchange it. <laughs> so no. for me, my I've, I haven't been told that, but I'm sure people think that all the time. But for me, it's like women are already deciding to have plastic surgery. And a lot of women who choose not to, they have had a lot of negative feedback. Like people have been negative about the procedure or they're afraid, they're anxious. That's what I hear. Like. I'm afraid of anesthesia. I'm afraid of the recovery. And it's really just being afraid of the unknown because it's kind of unknown. What what are you going to feel? So this community and everybody just being so open about what are we experiencing? What are you feeling? How? What are you thinking? 
It's so much nicer. And it makes my girls who listen to this show feel so much calmer. Like, okay, it's everything's going to be fine. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you a a question. Uh Did you go through post-op depression? Hell yeah. Tell me about it. You're my first one who tells me yes. So please tell me about it because I didn't personally experience it. I've had I've had some of my girls, but none of them have wanted to come on and really talk about it. So if you're willing to talk about it, please tell us how it was for you. Yeah, I definitely had the post-op depression. So it was kind of similar to when you get the baby blues, the expectations. Right. So and then the helplessness for me, if you're a woman who is used to doing things for yourself and especially as moms still in handicap. Like my baby was two at the time and he wanted to be picked up and I couldn't hold him the way I wanted to hold him. You know, I'm like, no, mommy has to sit, you have to sit next to me. And then looking at him cry, like, oh, like that was uh, annoying. You know? And then when I needed errands run, husband was helping as best he could, but I could see kind of the, the weight weighing on him during the time that I had to come home and do a little more recovering, you know? Not being able to just get up and go as I wanted to. That was depressing for me. I wanted to run to the store, but I couldn't drive just yet. Or it was, I was having a hard time. I drove a, I have a big truck. I have a Traverse. And just like that boppy pillow. And it was just all irritating to me. I do not like being in my Saha because I have, what's that? Like, I don't like tight things on my body. Like super, super compressive things mm-hmm. irritate a little bit. At least, it, At least it did. Now I can deal with it. And so being in that faha and in that garment, also just being swollen and feeling miserable. I don't like to be sick. And so being so swollen for so long was irritating to me, going through the massages and the draining and seeing your body not necessarily be as snatched immediately because you're so swollen. It it starts to weigh on your mental a little bit. Also, I don't come from a perfect family. Like my family is extremely negative. Not all of them, but like I have negative ass cousins, right? And I went around a cousin and she was just like, you look better before the surgery. And while I always say like, you know, don't let people get to you, it kind of made me mad. Like people trying to judge your results for you before you're all the way healed. Mm -hmm. Because people are expecting, oh, you went had surgery, so you're going to look good tomorrow after surgery. And not realizing like, no, you won't see your final results until about that. I know people say three month mark, but I'm like, I'm gonna keep it a book with y'all six to nine months. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. it's like a baby. Once you get off the table, expect to carry that baby for about six to nine months before you get to really see what it's going to look like on the other side. Because I had that expectation like, oh, once the swelling goes down in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna look great. But my results didn't really start popping. And I mean like popping, popping to about six to nine months of you know, consistently compressing and eating healthy and working out. Did I look better? Yes. But did I look the way I was expecting to look coming off the table unrealistically in my brain? (laughs) 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 No, I didn't. And I didn't even feel like it. And so it's a learning curve in the beginning. So yes, I definitely went through the post-op depression. And I talked about that heavily during the time because the body dysmorphia, if you battle, and a lot of us do, being honest, right? That body dysmorphia and that comparison, because we're all on social media. And if you're in the surgery community, you're comparing yourself to other dolls who you feel like, oh, her progress went like this. So mine should, too. And that's not the case. We all heal differently. We're all different. And so depression got me. It, it, it reared its ugly head. 
And I got it under control through exercise and sleeping and having realistic expectations of myself. Also talking to other women in the community like, hey, did you go through this with your belly button? Like I had a belly button issue for a minute where it's like the skin on my belly button looked like it did not want to heal. Mm-hmm. And like I still had stitches and the stitches started coming out of my belly button. And that scared me for a little bit. It was nothing serious. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it was serious at the time because I had never experienced it before. And I didn't know anyone who had like, why is my belly button doing this? You know, so that brought depression. And you know what? I wonder if you had been told prior to your surgery, hey, you're going to be out of commission when you come back. Like be ready to be out of commission for the next two weeks at least like the first week for sure but at least the next two weeks you're not going to be able to you're going to be okay in your brain but your body can't you think you're good you were like I could probably stand up and wash some dishes or fold some clothes or you know stir some stuff in this in a pot or do something like that but you can't you literally cannot. And it's really about sinking. I tell, I keep saying it over and over again. Like you have to sink into recovery, like uh, accept it that no matter how much you want to heal faster and no amount of want is going to make the time go faster. And the only way you're going to heal is with time. You need time to give, you need to give your body time. Would that have helped you? Because that's what I tell my girls when this post-op depression I feel is a lot of like just not really knowing how much it takes after yeah I feel like I knew but realistically like I, I knew but when it came down to knowing and like going through it it I wasn't prepared I had overestimated the process mm-hmm. like I thought oh I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna be healing two weeks in the Dominican Republic and then when I get back home I'll be fine and that was not the case. I still needed more downtime when I got back home. So, yeah, if I, I feel like if I would have, no, no. No. I'm like to be self-sufficient. <laughs> so what tip or like something that you would tell somebody who is thinking about having surgery, if it was your best friend or your sister and you're trying to like avoid for them to go through that, what recommendation would you have for them? Be realistic. One, six months, six months. Okay. I know everybody looks like they're having fun right out of surgery because they have those faha on and stuff like that. But realistically, it does not go like that. It's going to take some time for you to get to feeling confident. It's going to take some time and you're going to need help and be okay with asking for help. Like it's going to require you to say, hey, I need a little more assistance. It's so funny you said that because I literally was talking to one of my best friends who was thinking about a tummy tuck and I'm like, you have to get the support in order before you go. Mm-hmm. You have to get the support in order before you go. You you absolutely have to because that's really what was depressing to me. I just felt like I needed more support. Even though I stayed two weeks in the Dominican Republic, once I came back home, I thought that was all the time I was going to need, but I needed more support for that entire first four weeks because I am a mom. I have five, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Five. Yeah. How old are your kids? So now they're 19, 12, 11, 8, and 4. But when I went two years ago, you know, 17, 10, 8, 6, and 2. <laughs> like, I, needed, I needed more support. You, yeah, definitely. Like my husband needed a, a support system. He was missing his, his other half. Yeah, and he did a he did a fantastic job. He really did. But that was just time where I'm like, we need another hand around here. <laughs> oh, that's great though. I love hearing about supportive husbands. 
Oh, yeah, he did all my massages too, girl. Like, when I came back home, I did not hire a massage therapist. He took care of all my post office. Dang, he took it to the next level. He's setting the bar high. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he, he did all of my post office massages, and I didn't have to worry about not one. Well, that's sweet. I love it. Okay, so now that was the last question I wanted to ask you. I have to run. I have I have to go. Okay. But I'm so happy I was able to have you on the show today. You are an inspiration. You're amazing. I'm so excited for what's to come for our community. I feel like yeah. the more we band together, the better. And I'm just so excited because you guys... Y'all know I have a dream of having patient coordinators, a web of patient coordinators around the world that help you get to safe surgery and get have a good recovery. So this is just like pushing me even more because I know that there's so much information out there and there's so many women who want to help other women succeed. And I love to see it. I'm so happy to have you, Brittany. And I can't wait for I can't wait to see what trouble we get into. Oh, baby, it's coming. I cannot wait. I look forward to it. So I'll hit you later so we can finish talking. That sounds good. Okay. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please go on Apple. Write me a review. It's the best way for other women who are just like you, who need help, who are looking for information, valuable information on the internet. This is how they're going to find it. So go on Apple, give me a five-star review if you love this podcast. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to support the podcast is through the website. If you need help through your journey, if you need help finding a surgeon, if you want to join the membership, if you're looking for bruise juice, you guys don't sleep on bruise juice. Y'all know I have my bruise juice 30 coupon code for y'all to use if you're having a BBL, if you're having liposuction, if you're having a tummy tuck, if you need to be using bruise juice all over your body, stop using those other brands that are not tailored for your post-op recovery. Bruise juice is formulated for your recovery. It's amazing. It nourishes your skin. It helps your fat transfer live don't sleep on bruise juice bruise juice 30 is the code and don't forget new episodes every monday i'll see you then